Effective Living with Reverend Henry Hubert. May you be blessed as you listen. Now, the message. Lord, you so I started teaching on prayer last week. The important question here is, what is prayer? The answer is simple. Prayer is talking to God. In the book of Luke 11, verse 1, we learn that prayer must be taught. The disciples told Jesus, teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciples, they asked Jesus to teach them to pray. And Jesus taught them. Today I'm going to be taking you through some of the important teachings of Jesus on prayer. The important thing we saw last week is that there are different kinds of prayer. And that prayer is very important because it is the legitimate uh, means of receiving from God. Prayer enables you to benefit from the generosity of God. God is a very generous person. He's a loving and generous person. The Bible said that God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only begotten son. But his love for you alone is not enough to give you all that you need. You have to know how to pray. Because his word says that when you ask, you receive. No. So prayer is very important. Um, prayer enhances our relationship with God because there is no good relationship without communication. Now, Prayer also gives God permission to perform in our lives, in our communities, and on the earth. When we don't pray, God is not permitted. Refusing to pray simply means, God, you are not, you are disallowed. Because God cannot violate your will. He respects your will, he respects your intentions. He gave you authority over your life and also over the earth. So prayer gives God permission to work. That means a day without prayer is a day without blessing. Prayer helps us to continue to rely on God constantly. And also in prayer, we exercise our authority against Satan. Jesus has given you authority, but the only way to exercise that authority is through prayer. So that means if you are not praying, you have authority but Satan can take you for a ride. He can mess you up while God watches. Because he gave you the authority, he won't come and fight the devil for you. He has given you authority to put the devil where he belongs. But it is in prayer that we do that. It is in prayer that we destroy the works of the devil. It is in prayer that we stop the activities of Satan. It is in prayer that we disallow the devil access to what he wants. Prayer is very important. The most important part of my teaching last week is principles of prayer. Very important. Number one, God hears prayer. If God hears prayer, then it is very, very, very bad not to pray, isn't it? He hears prayer. Number two, God answers prayer. If God answers prayer, then it's a cheat to, on your destiny to not pray. You are cheating yourself when you don't pray. It's like having money in the bank and sit at home complaining. I'm suffering, oh. I'm hungry, I'm going to die, oh. Meanwhile, you have food in the kitchen. And you are sitting in the sitting room and say, I'm going to die, oh. You will surely die. You will die of hunger, not because of lack of food, but because you have refused to 
access what is rightfully yours. So in prayer, we have to consider this very important thing, that God hears prayer. God answers prayer. He answers prayer. Number three principle, God does not answer every prayer. <laughs> we'll see that more maybe today or next week. God does not answer every prayer. How many of you here, there are prayers you have prayed God hasn't answered yet? Okay. Some he will answer later. Some he won't. And we'll learn why some of your prayers will never be answered. James 4 verse uh, 3 says, God does not answer every prayer. He said, you ask and do not what? Receive. You don't receive because you ask amiss. That means you ask wrongly. That you may spend it on your, okay, pleasure, enjoyment, enjoyment. <laughs> Life is not always about enjoyment. Life is about purpose and destiny. And some of you, the things you are asking for, it is not enhance your destiny. It will not enhance his purpose for your life. So he won't answer it. So number three, God does not answer every prayer. Number four, God answers prayer on the basis of its agreement with scripture. God will answer your prayer not because you sweat when you prayed, not because you shouted when you prayed. God will answer your prayer not because your tongue was the most, the most dangerous tongues. You know, some people, when they speak tongues, you have to run. John um, 15 verse 7 says something very important. And I want you to look at it. John 15, verse 7. It says, can we read it together? Ready, go. Abide in me, and my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be what? Done. So scripture, the word of God, properly interpreted and applied to your prayer request is what moves the hand of God to bring an answer. Amen? So if your prayer is unscriptural, you can sweat, you can toil, you can cry. It won't, it won't be answered. Hello? God answers prayer according to the specific request, not according to your needs. That's number five. God answers your prayer according to what? According to what? A specific request, not according to your needs. So this religious attitude, oh, God knows all my needs, is, is a deception. God knows your needs, but he still wants you to ask because he wants you to be able to acknowledge that he's the one who provided. He wants you to ask, but he doesn't want you to ask it anyhow. He wants you to ask in a very specific way. So sometimes God is confused how to answer your prayer because... He doesn't know what you really want. You know, so anytime we are doing prayer requests, I take time to talk about being very specific. Give me Matthew 7 verse 9. What man is there among you, if he asks for bread, will give him a stone? So there was a specific thing that was being requested. Verse 10. Or if he asks for fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? 
So Jesus said, all of us here, if your child asks you for fish, you won't go and catch a snake and give it to him. How many will do that? So what is Jesus saying? Be specific in what you want. Anything goes. It's not prayer. It doesn't work in the spirit realm. You have to be very specific. God answers prayer according to the specific request. Specific what? Request. Not according to your needs. Number six, principle. God can give you more than what you ask for, but he will never give you what you did not ask for. Is that clear? God can give you more than what you asked for. A sister wrote a request in this church for healing. She's been bleeding for like, I think, about 13 years. She wrote on a prayer request for healing, for bleeding disorder to stop. But that sister also had an ear problem, which she did not write. When the power of God came upon her, she was healed of the bleeding and healed of the ear too. Because at least she asked for healing. Now, when Hannah prayed to God, Hannah asked something specific. Remember? What did she ask for? A son. How many children did Hannah have? Six children. God gave her the son she asked for and then added five more. May God do that for you. In the name of Jesus. So, last, I think, three weeks ago, I think, was it Miracle Service or a week before Miracle Service, somebody, when we started the fast, somebody came to me and said, Pastor, I'm going to the embassy for visa. Pray with me. I want five years multiple. I just prayed. And she went. And they gave her five years multiple. I don't know if there could be anything more than that. But the Bible said in Ephesians 3.20 that our God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we, we ask. So when we ask God for Certain blessings, he will give you, but sometimes he can give you more than that. But the other side of this is, if you don't ask, you don't get anything at all. You see, you don't get anything at all. So he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. So how much God is able to do in our lives in response to prayer also depends on us. The power at work in us. That means your level in the spirit. Your level of faith. Your level of spirituality. Your level of grace, of course. And your maturity, of course. God is looking at how much can you handle without backsliding? How much money can you handle and still come to church without disturbing me and disturbing other people? How much money can you have without stopping church? That is what God is looking at. How much blessing can you handle? How much favor can you handle? You're asking for promotion. If God put you there, will you not disgrace God and mess everything up at the work, your workplace? So it's according to the power that is working in you. God is looking and saying, I love you, but it's better that unbeliever remains there because you, when you go there, your, your competence is just embarrassing. You go and disgrace God, quoting scriptures, carrying Bible to the office. That's not Christianity. Christianity is people looking at you and seeing the word of God playing in your life. Christianity is when people look at you. From the time you get to work to the time you close, your life should be testimony of scripture. Not the one you carry big to the office. Because carrying it and not manifesting it 
is hypocrisy, not Christianity. All right, so today we are moving to some important area of prayer. Today I want to talk about levels of prayer. Jesus did some important teachings on prayer that I want us to look at today. In the book of Matthew chapter 7, from verse 7, Jesus did an important teaching about the different levels of prayer. Everybody say levels of prayer. Now, he said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now, in this scripture, we see three levels of prayer. Three levels of prayer. Um, the first level is the level of asking, which, if you remember our teaching last week, maybe we, should, we can call it supplication, isn't it? Asking. That is when you go to God and say, God, give me a job. God, give me money. God, give me good health. God, give me promotion. Everything you ask God to give you is what? Asking. So asking simply means give me. Sometimes do we ask for others? My children, my spouse, my loved ones, asking. Now, if you look at the New King James, when you look at the Greek word, it is not in the present tense. It's in the present continuous tense. So the Amplified Bible says it better. What Jesus was trying to say is that ask always and it will be given to you. You see, he said what? Ask and keep on asking. That was the actual Greek word. It's a present continuous, something you must do all the time. Ask and keep on asking and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking and it, you will find. Knock and keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. When we talk about asking, you know, James 1.5 said that if anyone lack wisdom, let him ask of God. It's implied that if anyone lack anything. So you ask for things that you don't have. If anyone who lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally without reproach and it will be given to him. God is the only one who gives you anything you want without looking down on you. That's why I love to go to God with my needs. Amen. And probably we should learn from God and do the same. Don't give to people with scorn. Don't look down on people because you give them. Give to people and celebrate them. This is godly. The Bible says that God gives to all liberally and without reproach. But the condition is ask and keep on asking. So that means there are times when you have to ask for the same thing more than once before you get it. Because they ask and keep on asking. That scripture could also mean there are certain things you have to ask for it praying over a long period. Because it's not everything you can go to God and just ask for it in one minute. For instance, if you are going out to work, less than a minute, you can say, Lord, your protection over my life, your covering over my life, my going out and coming in is blessed. Let the day be good for me in Jesus' name. Less than a minute. There are also some issues. You can't do the same. You have to take time, probably an hour or two or three on one issue. Because when Hannah was praying, he didn't do a few minutes prayer. When Hannah was praying, the pastor, the priest, she said, are you drunk this early morning? Because Hannah was praying in a way she had never prayed before. If it was the normal way of prayer, the pastor wouldn't have mistaken her for being drunk. She prayed, she prayed, she prayed, she prayed. 
and the pastor thought she was drunk. That means she prayed crazily. Gentle prayer is good. Sometimes, too, you can't be gentle about it. You can't be gentle about it. You have to pray. The first time I prayed for a dead person to come back to life, I prayed for 10 minutes. What if I stopped in five minutes? The child would have still been dead. It was early morning. You know, I don't normally wake up early because I'm a night person. I, I pray into the night. I sleep late. Yesterday, I slept around 3 a.m. I had a, a knock on my door. Boop, 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 boop. So I woke up from sleep, went to the door. There's a co-tenant in the house where I was living in Jaskai. She had a son called Jaira. I opened the door, the woman just threw the baby into my hands and started crying and started rolling on the floor in my hall. I don't even know what is happening. I did not even know that the child was dead. Finally, she, she said, so, Pastor, I woke up and I was calling my child. He's not responding. When I, I touched her feet, I realized that it was getting cold. I slapped him. I knocked him. I did everything. It's a young boy of, uh, I think, about six years. I love that boy. Very lovely person. So I put her on my three-in-one. That time I was single. My, some miserable furniture in the, <laughs> in the hall. I put her, then I knelt down. I knelt down. I knew this woman won't leave this room if that child doesn't come back to life. She will not leave. I knelt down and I began to pray. And I said, God, you can't let this child die like that. This woman, already this woman has been through a lot, which I am aware. The man who proposed to marry her, they were in a relationship, and she became pregnant. Then later, the, the lady realized the man had a wife. And this lady doesn't want to be a second wife, so she came to me for counsel and said, fine, have the child, don't abort the child, have the child, and then... You could be somebody great tomorrow. That's the advice I give people all the time. You can't use a worse sin to cover sin. Abortion is worse than fornication. Yeah, so if you fornicate and you become pregnant, don't cover it up with abortion. Yeah, that's why I don't stigmatize people who get pregnant in church. Because there's somebody worse than them. Is the one who aborted. It doesn't mean I'm encouraging everybody to become pregnant who is not married. <laughs> but if somebody becomes pregnant before marriage, I'll rebuke you. In fact, you won't find it easy. But after that, I really, really love such people and I respect them for their courage because there are many cowards that are dead great, great, great children to cover up their sin. I'm not talking about that today. I don't even know how I got here. So you, you understand the story. So already this woman is a miserable woman. And then that child is also dead. So I began to pray. And I began to rebuke death. I began to, you know, pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. And my eyes were closed. In fact, when I started praying, my eyes were open. But after some time, I realized that the child was not waking up. Ten minutes, my eyes were closed. 15 minutes, I was just praying, praying in tongues. Then something said, open your eyes. The, the guy was looking at me. <laughs> that child was awake, looking at me, wondering what is going on here. But I know people who are anointed who said, get up. 
a dead person gets up. So that is the level of asking. Jesus said, everyone who asks will receive, unless the person did not ask the right way. So first level of prayer is asking. And the second level is the level of seeking. There are certain things you will not get it by just asking, because you may not be able to even handle it well. You don't have what it takes to handle what you are asking for. What does it mean to seek God? It means to get closer to God in order to know him more. Because the closer you get to people, the more you know them. There are many people in this church who don't know me, apart from seeing me preach every Sunday. Any other thing they know about me is what they heard from people, some of which is not true. Because the person also is telling you what you are hearing does not know me. You can only know God when you get closer to God. That means there are times when you go to God in prayer, and it's not about what you need. It's not about give me. But you want to spend time in his presence, seeking his face. You want to consecrate yourself to God, sometimes asking for his guidance about issues. Hello? Sometimes asking for God's guidance about specific issues in your life. Because some of the things you are praying about, you need direction, you need guidance, you need deeper insights concerning the whole subject matter. And so God cannot just get over the surface of it and just give you what you want. So seeking God is you come to the place where God is able to make you a better person. That is why quiet times are very important. Spending time with God, quality time with God. That is why personal retreats are very important. Sometimes you go on personal retreats not necessarily because you want to bombard heaven and get some needs met, but you just want to get closer to God to know him more. That is why it is very important to, to spend time alone with God, alone with God. I don't know whether it was Sunday that I said this, or maybe the weekdays. I said something. I said, are there some informations that you cannot talk on phone? Have you ever told somebody, I, I want to see you about an issue? And he asks you, what is it? He said, we can't talk on phone. Have you ever said that before? Good. Are there also times when you want to tell somebody something, but you prefer it be private because other people are also there? Is that, has it also happened to you before? Yes. Yeah, so there are times in your life, certain things God wants to tell you, he will not tell you when you are with people. He will not tell you over the phone. That means he will not tell you when you are not in his presence. He will tell you when you spend time with him. Because God doesn't only want to bless you. He also wants to transform your life. He wants to transform your life. God doesn't only want to give you what you need to enjoy. He also wants to make your life to conform to his purpose for your life. Because some of you here, your life is more than yourself. You carry destiny that is impacting greater dimensions than you alone. I remember one day I was fasting, I mean, many years ago, like, my early days of pastoring, I think, in the 90s. I started pastoring in 1998. I became a pastor in 1998. The Lord spoke to me. He said, the destinies of people are tied to you, so be careful what you do with your life. And I think I can say that to all of you now. The destinies of people are tied to you. So sometimes, God wants you to come close. He wants to show you things 
you should correct in your own life. Psalm 139, verse, uh, I think, 23. David always prayed this prayer. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Lord, what, are, what am I doing that I need to stop doing? Lord, what am I not doing right that is causing this business to be stagnant? Sometimes, some of you business, but you need to just spend time with God and say, Lord, what is the next strategy? to move this business to the next level. That is seeking God. He will give you ideas. He will give you direction. He will give you instruction. Sometimes he will tell you, do this. Sometimes he will tell you, do that. Sometimes he will tell you, sack this person. Oh, yeah. So when we are seeking God, we are going to him to receive, but not the physical needs that we want. Because sometimes you, you need more than just the physical things. In seeking God also, he shows you things you should deal with in prayer. Since you should what? Deal with in prayer. Pastor, I'm 30. No man is coming. That's not a time for me to put my hand on you and say, in the name of, Je in the name of Jesus, I release men, I release men, I release men. No. That's the time for you to go waiting, seeking God. What is it that is causing no man to come? I tell you, you you will discover some mysteries that will shock you. Yeah, you will discover some mysteries. These ones, you don't get it when you say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I receive my man in Jesus' name. I receive my man in the name, in the precious name of Jesus. Now, when you are seeking God, you are going beyond the immediate environment. You are going beyond the surface. You are going deeper. What is it that is... This is not how I want my marriage to be. Something is not going right. Is it me? Because somehow, sometimes the devil in that marriage is us. So we, ourselves, is the devil. And nobody can tell you that you are the devil in that marriage except God. So Jesus said, when you seek him, so don't just pray at one level. The reason why many people are not enjoying the blessings of God much is because we pray only at one level. Give me, give me, give me. So God has become an ATM machine. You go, you slot in your card, press your pin, press the amount, get your money, you're gone. So you need money again. God is not an ATM machine. He's the one who created you. So seeking God. He said anyone who seeks him will find him. One of the ways God talks to me a lot is when I'm alone. I mean, one day a pastor friend said, I, I can't realize, because I was telling him things that he couldn't imagine. Ordinary issues. I can have an ordinary conversation with somebody and believe everything the person said until I'm alone. When I'm alone, things come back to me. Sometimes conversations with people, it plays back to me. The Holy Spirit will tell me, this is it, this is it, this is that. This is what the, why the person told you what he told you. One day I, have a, I had a conversation on phone with a friend of mine. He told me a story about something happened between him and his uncle. I was alone in God's prayer. The Holy Spirit told me it, that nothing happened between him and his uncle. He was talking about you. He was giving you an indirect message. And this is the message. You need to spend time alone with God. That is how you get to hear him more. That's how you get to know him. That's how you stop making mistakes. 
decisions that look very good but are not the right decisions. People you trust that you should not trust. It is there you find who you can trust and who you should not trust. Who you should marry, who you should not marry. Yeah. Why that door you wanted God to open, why he did not open it, he will show you. He will show you. And he will show you which better door rather is coming for you that you should believe God for. Seek and you will find. Now, so the seeking realm is when you and God become very close, very tight. Wherever you are, he's with you. Amen. You enjoy his presence. One thing I realize about the presence is that it makes you not even ask for certain things. One thing I enjoy about the presence is that when the presence is there, certain things are natural. They are normal. There's a realm of the anointing when it's on me. I can never be sick. No matter how sick I am, you know, one day I was having a serious cold, and I said, how am I going to handle this service? What am I going to do? And as soon as I took the microphone, I never coughed once, never sneezed. So when we closed, I said, ah, Lord, what is this? Because as soon as I got to the office, the cold came back. And the Holy Spirit told me, at that level, sickness cannot touch you. So there's a realm of the presence of God. You don't need to ask demons to leave you. They just live naturally. There's a realm of presence that when you are in it, you won't lack. Because the presence attracts blessings to you. There's a realm of the presence. So when you seek him, you don't get things. You get he himself. He himself. He himself. How many of you want people to love you for who you are? Not for what they get from you. How many of you, you found somebody you want to marry? He said, let's go to, I want to introduce my father. And he went and, uh, and then the introduction is like, oh, daddy, you meet my friend. He's very rich. Any time I need money, he gives me. That's why I like him. That's why I want to marry him. <laughs> How many of you will be happy about that? So why the second level of prayer? Because God doesn't want you to follow him only because of what you can get. God doesn't want you to, to pray only because of what you can get. God wants you to be his child and a close one at that. And a good one. That he loves, he enjoys your presence. That is why God never played with David. Because David knew how to cultivate the presence of God. So seeking him until you become one with him. You become one with him. That is the second level of prayer. It is at that place that we also worship God. Worship. Some of us don't like worship. We don't even know how to worship. When worship is going on, we are chatting outside, you know, you are far away from God. When worship is going on, we are talking on phone, doing all manner of things, busy about everything except to be in his presence. See, but when you close your eyes in God's presence, and you are singing those songs, not just the words, but those words become your own words, and you are singing. You, you see yourself moving away from yourself, going deep into his presence, moving away from this place. That's when you forget about your makeup, forget about everybody around you, and you go in there. Because there are great things in there, better than the people... That because they are here, you don't want to, you, you want to be gentle and nice. See, your niceness is not changing anything. You should be tired. 
of your niceness. Worship, seeking God. Thanksgiving, seeking God. And he begins to talk to you. You know the Bible says, enter his presence with what? Thanksgiving. And into his courts with praise. So anytime you are in the mood of thanksgiving, of worship, of praise, you are going out of the physical realm into his presence. Why? Because now you are not thinking about your needs. You are thinking about him. Who he is, what he has done, what he can do, and what he is going to do. The third level of prayer is knocking. If you read the New King James, it's not very clear. It's a knock. Knock what? What will be opened? What does it mean by knocking? Let's read first the, the Amplified. Matthew 7, verse 8. Okay, let's read from verse 7. It says, ask and keep asking, and it will be what? Given to you. Seek and keep on seeking, and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking, and the door will be opened. So actually, this level of prayer has to do with what? Opening doors. Opening doors. The NIV version also talks about the same thing. Jesus, he said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened. So Jesus was suggesting there are certain things that you can't get just because you ask for it. Because doors are closed in the spirit realm. Now this has to do more with things that hasn't happened ordinarily around your space. Closed doors means certain things are not normal around you. And you are the first to want to have it. So you need to get some doors opened before you can have it. Yeah, so sometimes certain things become a struggle in your life because of closed doors. Especially if you are the first to do certain things or to pursue certain blessings in life anywhere. Let's say in your family. The reason why you are the first is because others tried. The door is closed. And you too, if you don't knock well, probably you will struggle and still not get far with it. Knock. So there are doors in the spirit. Revelation 3.8. It said, see, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength and I've kept my word and I've not denied my name. Okay, so how did this happen? I'm sure that church knew how to pray for closed doors to open. So this month, one of the things we're praying is around that place. Now, if Jesus said, knock, and the door will be open, he won't come and be telling this church, I've set an open door before you, if they did not go to that level of prayer. It's good. So when Jesus talked about knocking, by the way, how do you knock at doors? Okay, why do you knock? Would it be open? When do you stop knocking? When it's open, isn't it? Okay. So when you knock, that's a, a Ghanaian system of knocking. Okay. And nobody comes. What do you do? You keep knocking. Do you know sometimes you can even knock with your voice and not with your hands? I go. No, no answer. I go. Now, if you want to go advanced way, what do you do? You press some bell. What are you doing? You are still knocking. So when Jesus says knock, it's not necessarily go and look for some door, do your, this, your finger. Blah, 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 blah. There are different ways of knocking. Today, people have body sensor alarms at their gates. There's no bell. All you need to do is show up and wait. 
there's an alarm ringing inside. May your house be nice like that. Yeah. The alarm is a body sensor. So once you show up in front of the gate, a few meters away from the gate, the alarm is ringing. Some of them, the alarm is even connected to their phones. So once you get there, the phone is beeping. You think it's a phone call. You can check and see who is there. That is if they are not in the house. All I'm saying is that knocking opens doors. And knocking stops when the door is what? Opened. What is Jesus teaching here? Persistence in prayer. Persistence. And not only persistence, sometimes dealing with the powers that have closed the door. First Corinthians 16 verse 9. First Corinthians 16 verse 9. It says, a great and effective door has opened to me and there are many adversaries. That means this door didn't open by itself. How can a door like this open with so many adversaries there? There are many adversaries. There are demonic powers that want to make sure that certain doors are never open to you. There are any dimension of life you want to enter. You need to deal with it spiritually first. That's what Jesus was teaching. You want to break some barriers and go into academic work to a certain level that has never happened in your family before. You need to pray and deal with things because that it has not happened in your family before should tell you that somebody behind the scene is preventing it. You need to pray and deal with things and command the doors to open. You see, how do you know doors are open? Everything happens without any struggle. There are some families when you go, marriage is, 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 is nothing. It's not, it's not news. As somebody is getting married, it's not news. Every, almost everybody is married. It's normal. Why? The door is open. If you don't come from such family and you want to marry and be happy, you have to not follow ladies from that family the way... You know, some lady will tell you, if you don't like, you can go. Others will come. Don't also go and stand and say, if you don't like, you can go. <laughs> because you saw your friend said that, the guy left, and others came. So you two, you think it's a formula. Warfare. You have to deal with demonic power. And Jesus has given you the authority, but if you don't exercise it in prayer, you are just telling the devil, I authorize you. I give you the freedom. And, and, and many people are struggling with a lot of things. And another thing that opened doors that I've realized is offerings. Offerings. Let me say sacrifice. Anytime you want to venture into something that is out of the ordinary, you need to fast a lot, pray a lot, do a lot of warfare, and do sacrifices. There are certain issues I've asked people to fast and pray and give crazy monies for it. Sometimes, even as you seek the Lord, the second level of prayer, God will move you to the third level. Sometimes, some of you here, once in a while, you're like, God will ask you to give a sacrifice. It's because he wants to open a door for you. I don't think I'll ever pray for a car again in my life. Because I gave one sacrifice to God that opened doors for cars to come. The money I was saving to buy my first car, God asked me to give it all. That's what we used to tile this church. And then the door to cars opened for me. Doors open with fasting and prayer. Isaiah 60, 11, he said, can we read it together? Therefore, your gates shall be open continually. They shall not be shut. They, no, no. Now, wait, wait, wait. He said, therefore, your gates shall what? He made the gate personal. That means every one of us, we have personal gates, doors of blessings in our lives. So we can all be sitting there here looking the same. 
But if the door hasn't opened for you and that's open for me, I'll be enjoying things you cannot enjoy. That's why it's not good to envy people. If somebody has something you don't, you don't have, there's something he knows you don't know. So love him, be his friend, learn it, do it, and you get the same results. Because principles have no respect of persons. Good. Your gates, somebody say, my gates, my gates. shall be open. All right. He didn't say it is opened. He said it shall be open. Now we know what we do to open it, isn't it? He said it shall be open continually. Now, why must it be open continually? So that there will be constant flow of blessings. Somebody say constant flow. So that from now to the end of the year, every month must be good for you. Now, I hear some people tell me, Pastor, you know, January is my best month, then July, the rest is bad. That's not the Bible. Read this one for yourself. Every month, blessings must flow into your life. Your gates must be open, continue. That means, that's why the Bible said, knock and keep on knocking. Keep on opening the doors. One prayer is not enough. Your gates shall be open continually. I pray over your life today that the gates of blessings in your life will be open continually. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. But he said, they shall not be shut. That means the doors of blessing your life can be shut. By who? Of course, you know, that bad guy. God loves to open doors. Satan loves to close doors. They shall not be shut. That means they can be shut. How do they get shut? When you stop knocking. When you stop knocking, the gates can be shut. And when the gates are shut... Blessings stop flowing. So, occultists and demonic people have mysteries they can engage against you, charms and spells, and suddenly, nothing is working in your shop. Sometimes they throw charms at your shop, in front of your shop. And then suddenly, it's as if the place is a cemetery. Nobody comes around. Every morning, you go, you open the door, the gate of your shop, but spiritually, it's closed. You must, you must say no. You must take authority over the gates of your shop and command it to open, amen? Because if it's truly open, people will keep coming. People will keep coming. That's why there are certain things when you want to do. You need, you need people with authority to speak over the place so that no charm will work against you, against your business or against your shop. They shall not be shut. Somebody say, the gates of my life shall never be shut. In the name of Jesus. The doors of blessings in my life will never be shut. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now, it didn't end there. He said, they shall not be shut day or night. So, timing is even very important. I command doors of blessings in your life to be open in the daytime and in the nighttime. Amen. That means sometimes Satan can try to shut doors to you in the night and leave it open in the day. Sometimes he can shut doors of blessings to you in the day and leave it open in the night. That is, if he, if he can't have it closed 24 hours, he will try 12 hours. He doesn't give up. So the doors of blessing in your life must be open, not only in the day, but also in the night. That means during the day, blessing is flowing to you. And during the night also, blessing is flowing to you. Amen? Because some, sometimes, you never know, your blessing will come in the night. Is somebody receiving that one? Your blessing can come in the night. I don't know how, but it can come in the night. Somebody can make up his mind about you in the night. Somebody can dream and see you, and that will be the turning point in your life. But if you're the gates of your life are shut in the night, then there's a problem. So it must be open during the day and in the night. 
Even yourself, in the night whilst you are sleeping, you can have visitations from God. You can have visitations from God. You can receive some very fantastic ideas and great, great direction from God and, and a lot of things if your gates are not shut in the day and the night. The Bible says that when your gates are open continually, what happens? It says, so that men may bring to you the wealth of the Gentiles. The wealth of the Gentiles. And they are kings in procession. When the gates of your life are open, people give to you all the time. That means your business attracts customers without struggle all the time. If you need a job, you get it easily. If you need promotion, you get it easily. Every favor you need, you get it easily. Because the doors are open. People give to you. It doesn't mean everybody you meet on the street to put his hand in the pocket and give you money. But it's whatever you are doing, you attract people to want to give to it easily and happily. Whatever you are doing, you, you get people to commit to it. So if you are having difficulty with people, closed doors may be your problem. And what do I mean by having difficulty with people? It means if you do business, customers don't patronize it. If you are looking for a job, you never get anybody to... People are getting jobs every day in our time. People are getting jobs every day. So it's not true that there are no jobs. There are. But knowing who can say, come, come and see me on Tuesday, may that be your portion. Yeah. Get a job without any interview. And I've seen people who have got jobs without applying for it. So people, if nobody commits to your destiny, you are suffering closed doors. You are, you are having, a, you need to deal with that. Because one of the avenues by which God brings wealth to you is people. Is what? People. Now, let's, let me talk about the right, having the right attitude in prayer and right attitude in prayer. prayer. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6 from verse 5. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. So Jesus was teaching about prayer. Sometimes I marvel at Jesus' plainness when he's teaching. Like, he just said that thing like that. Telling that many people will not enjoy Jesus' church in our time. But sometimes the way he talks. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. So there are... Hypocrites pray. You know, the interesting thing about prayer is that every religion prays. Every religion. Every religion they pray. But the difference between Christians and other religions is that we pray for results. They pray as a religious practice. It's part of your religion that at a certain time you must pray. But we don't do that. We don't pray as a religious obligation. We pray because of relationship we have with God. You see the difference? All right. You shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. As surely I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret, secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Amen. So Jesus is saying that there's an attitude we must have when we pray. Number one, prayer is not for show. It's not for show. Of, it's, not for, it's not a public um, display. Prayer is part of our relationship with God. So don't pray because you want people to see that you are praying. Does this still happen today? Yes. Many times, people want to just impress others that they are prayerful. Don't pray to impress anybody. Because the moment you impress people, Jesus said you have received your reward already. That God will not answer your prayer. The only answer you get is that people will clap for you. Oh, this brother is prayerful. That's all. That's why you see some people we call prayerful, audacious guys who are poor. Because you have impressed the church, but you get nothing for your prayer. Yeah. So, prayer is not to impress people. Prayer is 
part of your relationship with God. Jesus said, if you want to pray, what do you do? Go to your room. It doesn't mean you cannot pray in public. All I'm trying to say is privacy is very important to prayer. Privacy is very important to prayer because it is a communication between you and God. That is why I will always recommend the only place we pray shouting is in church. Why? So that nobody will be hearing his neighbor. Everybody should focus. So when there's plenty of noise, you have freedom to talk to God the way you like. Yes, but if you are alone in your house, don't try to impress all the people in the neighborhood. Don't even disturb your spouse and children when you are praying at home. No, that's not good prayer. Don't disturb your spouse when you are praying. Don't disturb your children when you are praying. Yeah, if they are sleeping, let them sleep. Go somewhere quiet, you and God alone. And then you can talk to God. That means, as for your next neighbors, you must never disturb them in the name of you are prayerful. You are not prayerful. You are not, you, you are just ignorant. Don't use prayer to disturb any co-tenant. That's not Christianity. That's not Christianity. That's hypocrisy. Some of you, when you wake up praying, the whole neighborhood, they, they will stop sleeping. What is that? What have they done wrong to you? And what they complain is, oh, they are demons. They are demons. I, I know. I know why they are calling They are demons. What is that? People have a right to sleep. Hmm? Every human being has a right to enjoy his peace in his room where he is. If you want to pray aloud, go out to somewhere, maybe the football park or somewhere where you can shout without anybody disturbing you or, or go to your church. Look for a place in your neighborhood where there is space for you to shout because sometimes prayer will need shouting. It helps you to believe God is hearing you. Privacy. Everybody say privacy. Privacy is very important. Privacy is very important. And you talk to God. Okay. There's something important that um, Jesus said also. I think I did not finish that. Can you take me back there? Verse 7. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do. For they think they will be heard for their many words. What is Jesus saying? Did Jesus say we should not repeat the same prayer more than once? What do you think? Is that what he's saying? No, he said vain repetition. He didn't say do not use repetitions. When you're studying the Bible, every single word is important. What did Jesus say? Do not use vain repetitions. So Jesus didn't say do not use repetitions. So sometimes you can repeat the same prayer several times. There's nothing wrong. But when it becomes a vain repetition. Now what is a vain repetition? He said as the hidden do. Who are the hidden? The ungodly, unbelievers. You know, when you go to most religions other, other than Christianity, the prayer is always recitals. Same thing. They recite things. Some of them are like a mantra, charms. Um, they, most of the religions you will come across, some, some of you have been there before. A lot of mantra, a lot of enchantments. You know, reciting the same word over and over and over. And over. Do not use vain repetition as the hidden do. So prayer is not recitations. It's not recitals. It's communication with God. Okay, verse 8. Therefore, do not be like them, for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Verse 9. In this manner, therefore, pray. So I'm, I'm going to the next. So having the right attitude in prayer is very important. One of the reasons why many people don't get answers to their prayers is because your attitude is wrong. I've, I've said this all the time. If you are a very prayerful person, if you meet a prayerful person, without the person even praying, you will know. And if you meet people who are not prayerful, who are shouting to you, you will know. 
You can, you can tell. If you are prayerful, when you meet somebody who, who, who can pray, you, the person can be shouting, you know. The challenge is that those who can pray, they are the ones who try to shout more. If you meet prayerful people and there's a, a meeting, maybe staff meeting at the office or a dinner, they said, shall we ask Brother Elijah to say the opening prayer? It's very short and simple. But call a religious brother who doesn't pray in the church. They say, shall we all rise? God is about to move in this place. <laughs> all your lack of prayer in the house, you are bringing it to the meeting. People can pray opening prayer for 30 minutes. And what, what are they driving at? To impress. Hallelujah. Prayer is not to impress. All right. Now, the, sec- the, the next thing I want to teach is Jesus, the Lord's Prayer. Jesus gave a template for prayer. A template. Now, look at, look at verse 9. In this manner, therefore, pray. Matthew 6, verse 9. He said, in this what? Manner. What is he saying? Pray in this manner. Follow this model. So the last prayer is not something you recite. It's a pattern you must follow when you are praying. That's why I call it the prayer template. If you want to learn how to pray, Jesus gave them a pattern. In this manner. Verse 9 in the Amplified Bible. Look at it. What did he say? Talk to me. Pray then in this way. Is it not a model? Is it not a model? Pray in this way. So if I call you now and I said, from today, I want you to dress this way. What am I doing? I'm giving you, okay? Is that, is that correct? In this way, pray. So Jesus was teaching the disciples about prayer and he gave them a model. And we all know the Lord's Prayer, isn't it? So sometimes people ask me, so if I pray the Lord's Prayer, is it wrong? No, it's not wrong. It's not wrong. But it's not the best way to pray. It's still scriptural. If you say that our Father who are in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Well, not bad, but you can do better than that. You can pray better, amen? You can do much, much better. I think there are about nine different um, parts of the Lord's Prayer. The first one is our Father who is in heaven. So prayer starts with being personal, okay, about your relationship with God. You say, our Father. That means see God as your heart, your Father. If you give your life to Jesus, you are born again. So when you enter the prayer closet, think like somebody who is before his, a loving, caring Father. That's the, that's the first thing. If your mindset is not like that, it's going to be problematic how you pray. You have to think how. Like someone who is in the presence of a loving, caring father. Because that's actually that's what he is. And personalize it. My father. Yeah, you talk to God on a personal level. On a what? Personal level. Personal level. That is why Apostle Paul said, my God. He was being personal about God. But you too should be able to say the same. It's not a preserve of Apostle Paul only. You too should be able to say the same. Yeah, so that's the first level. The way you think before you start praying, that you are not before a stranger. You are before a loving, caring father. That gives you confidence. That gives you boldness. Hebrews 4.16 said, let us come boldly. You don't go there timid, coward. Yeah, even if you have done something wrong, you can still go there boldly. At the end of the day, he only rebuke you, but he cannot throw you away. You, after all, you don't do that to your children, do you? Our father, who is Where? In heaven. God is not limited to our physical environment here on earth. He is in heaven. Heaven is a spiritual place. Hello? 
And last Sunday I was saying heaven is not in the sky. Heaven is a dimension. You remember? Yeah. Anytime you see your radio, you remember this. That means heaven is right here around you. But, but you cannot access it physically. It is just like class FM is all over here. But you need to have a radio that can tune in to the frequency. Right now, if you bring a radio and you tune into 91.3, you'll get class FM easily. They are all right here. Can you hear it now? No. So heaven is easy to access. When you are praying, your prayer doesn't travel across the ceiling. Then it goes and goes, and then it meet the sky. Then it keep going. It keep going. You know, sometimes I hear people say, My, the prayer was hitting the ceiling and coming back to me. It's all ignorance. Heaven is not in the skies. So when we talk about open heaven, we are talking about access to the dimension of God. So our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That is worship, isn't it? Before I started teaching, I were praying and were saying things like, glory be to your name. Holy is your name. That is worship. Then one step is see God as your loving Father, loving and caring Father. Then you, go, you start with what? Worship. Number three, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. That means pray for kingdom expansion. What does it mean to pray for kingdom expansion? Pray, number one, for the salvation of souls. Number two, for the influence of God's principles over our society. Yeah, so it is our duty to keep praying every day for our family, salvation. That's why since we started a fast, we've been praying for our family, for salvation. This week we are changing direction. We need to pray for our communities. We've done that a lot. Even today, we, I had prayer topics for Europe. That is kingdom expansion. Praying for missionaries in communist nations. One of the prayers I've been praying for the past few years now is for North Korea. If you are a Christian in North Korea, you will be arrested. Just for being a Christian, it has to stop. And you know what will stop it? Prayer. The earth is the Lord and the fullness of the Lord. I'm, in my life, I'm going to see that, that nation change. Amen. Amen? Amen? Yeah, so prayer is not only about, you know, bread and butter. Sometimes you have, to, you have to be concerned about what God is concerned about. Listen, God loves you, but there are some missionaries in Iran now who are about to be slaughtered for doing nothing wrong except preaching. We need to pray for missionaries that are risking their lives. You won't go, but let's pray for them. People are risking their lives in China. There's Christianity is growing in China, crazily. But underground, they don't have the permission to do public meetings. That must change. Russia, all the community nations, Poland, the Arabian lands, when you start traveling from North Africa, Libya, Tunisia, and Morocco, Egypt, then go beyond the Red Sea, Iran, Iraq, Jordan, Syria, all these countries, even right close to us here, Mali, Mauritania, you can preach easily. Yeah, so we can't just be enjoying church and ignore the nations. We have to pray. Sometimes you just have to forget about your needs and just pray for somebody to be saved. Starting with your loved ones. Your, some of you, are, even your siblings are not born again. <laughs> you don't care. Your parents are not born again. You don't care. What kind of Christian are you? And every day, oh, Lord, you know, you've never, you, why, don't disgrace me. You have not, you have not. God, you are not trying at all. 
God, you are not being fair to me. I serve you, huh? I pray, I, I give, I'm doing everything. You have abandoned me. See, see how I'm suffering. See how I'm, I'm, see, God can see. One of our prayers every time for God to bless us as a church to open more churches, open more churches. Go out to the northern part of Ghana, upper east, upper west, open more churches. Go to Europe and open churches. Yeah. In my lifetime, I want to open churches in Europe, in Asia, but we start first with praying for those nations. And even if God won't bless me to open it, God should still use somebody to do it. Thy kingdom come. The kingdom of God begins with salvation of souls. If there's anybody in your house who is not born again, it's your prayer topic. Yeah, and because you are neglecting those people, that's why your prayers are not getting answered. Your siblings cannot be dying, going to hell, and you don't care. And you are complaining God is not fair to you. You yourself, are you fair? Are you fair to anybody? No, your siblings must not go to hell. Your parents must not die and go to hell. I never preached to my father, but he became born again. In fact, the day my father told him he was born again, I didn't believe him. <laughs> but I've been praying for him for years. All my siblings, including my late brother, he became born again before he died. Because of prayer, thy kingdom come. Number three, number four, your will be done on earth. How many of you believe God has a plan for your life? All right. Now, how will it come to pass through your prayers? God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your family. So this level of prayer, what you are doing, you are praying that God's plans and purposes concerning your life, concerning your home, concerning your children, should come to pass. God's plan and purpose concerning this church should come to pass. God's plan and purpose concerning this community. So every place you get to, God has a plan and purpose. So that is the will of God. God has a plan and purpose for Ghana. If we don't pray, you will be surprised. Because the truth about life is that Satan also has a plan. And people also have a plan. LGBTQ have their agenda. Islam, they have an agenda. They have a plan. Everybody has a plan. That is why the Bible said in Proverbs 19.21, it says, Many are the plans in a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord. So you see, at this level of prayer, we are praying that the intentions of people and the devil and any other intentions contrary to the will of God concerning my life, concerning my family, concerning this nation, that it will not prevail. But I'm, we are praying that the will, only the will of God should prevail in Ghana because, you see, if Ghana doesn't go in the right direction, you also suffer. You agree to that? Your family, the will of God for your family. What is God's plan? You are praying, imposing the will of God. He said, I will be done on earth. You remember last week I said that it is your prayer that gives God permission to come and work. So this is the level. That is why this prayer is very important. When you pray, you bring God into the situation to execute his agenda. God has a great plan for your family. But it will take your intercession and prayer. Your will be done on earth. He said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. So heaven is waiting for your prayer. That is why as a church, we need to pray for Ghana. Whether you are MPP or NDC, it's not about politics. It's about you. You need to pray. So pray to overthrow the plans of Satan on the earth. Number five, your will be. Then he said, give us this day. That is, ask and you shall receive. Amen. Then number six, forgive our sins. Jesus said, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive 
So you have to learn to confess your sins all the time when you pray. Amen? If you do anything wrong, knowing, knowingly. Or unknowingly, but later you go to find out it's wrong. You need to, you need to confess to God. Unknowingly, you need to confess your sins to God. And then after that, you have to pray and forgive people. Pray and do what? There are people you should, you should mention their name in your prayer before God and say, Lord, for this person did I forgive? Forgive. That means no grudge and no retaliation. It's also part of prayer. The way some of you are quiet. Hmm. Jesus said, if you don't forgive, well, I will talk about reasons why prayers are not answered. Number one is unforgiveness. The number one reason why many people's prayer is not for answered is unforgiveness. I'll come to talk about that. And lead us not into temptation. Powerful prayer. Every day you should pray for God's guidance so that you can escape temptations. The first time I was thinking about it, I said, why should God say we should lead us not into Because there are some temptations. If you find yourself in it, you won't survive. You are human. Listen, there are some temptations you should not invite on yourself. And you should not even pray that God should allow it to come. So you should pray prayers like, Lord, you know me. You know that this one, I can't stand though. So please, anywhere I'm going that that particular trop, temptation is there, Lord, lead me away from it. Yeah, because all of you, you have your weak place, you have your weak point. There's something that makes you fall. Everybody, including myself. So a man that is standing is not necessarily a man that is strong. It's a man that is smart. Because I've seen strong men like Samson finish completely. Lead us not into temptation. That means, Lord, give me wisdom to escape temptations. Give me wisdom to make decisions that does not plunge me into it. Because I am warning every one of you, there are some temptations you can never survive. You will fall and be surprised. You fall and then you'll be surprised. Say, hey, myself, yes, yourself. <laughs> It is yourself. Uh, I tell people all the time, don't believe yourself too much. Why do you trust yourself like that? You are human. You are not an angel. You are not wood. You are not wood. You are human. Yeah. That is it. Lead us not into temptation. And next one says what? But deliver us from evil. That means praying that God will deliver you from all evil, all attacks of the enemy, Every plot of the devil that seeks to one will destroy your life. Lord, may the Lord deliver you from every evil in the name of Jesus. Let's rise up and pray. We'll continue, we'll continue next Sunday. Next Sunday, I'll be teaching on keys to answered prayer. And I'll teach about why prayers are not answered. And the next two weeks, I'll teach about how to have an effective prayer. And I think that will be enough for... If you are going to pray better, ask the Lord to give you more grace in prayer. Zechariah 10, 12. It talks about the spirit of grace and, hey, is it 10, 12, or 12? I can't see the scripture I'm looking for, so give us 12, 10. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. It says, I'll pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Can you pray for, over your prayer life? Ask God for more grace. Some of you have become very lukewarm and dull in your prayer. Ask the Lord to revive your prayer life. Sometimes the devil just 
stop your prayer life. You wake up, you, don't, you can't pray. Because he knows you are, you are going to receive so much if you pray. So he will, he will just stop your prayer life. Father, we destroy every prayerlessness. Every prayerlessness we destroy in the name of Jesus. We destroy every lukewarmness in prayer. Kobolo sobolo dinimi gradabakafalabadinia. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Isaiah 44, from verse 26 to 28. Isaiah 44, 44, 26. It says, Who confirms the word of his servant and performs the counsel of his messengers? Who says to Jerusalem, You shall be inhabited? To the cities of Judah, You shall be built. And I will raise up her wasted places. Amen. Look at the scripture. Isaiah was prophesying about Israel at the time of the captivity. It is called the desolation. Desolation means Israel was taken out from their land. Remember Nebuchadnezzar. When he conquered Israel, he took all the Israelites out. But Isaiah at that time was a prophet at a time when Nebuchadnezzar had not yet invaded Israel. Most of you read the Bible challenge. You came across Isaiah in the times of the king um, Uzziah and then Josiah and uh, Hezekiah. It was Isaiah who told Hezekiah, get ready, you are going to die. Remember? It was Isaiah. So in the days of Isaiah, Israel was still intact. But he prophesied about captivity. So this is the background I want you to follow. So he was prophesying and saying that God said, despite the captivity, what is going to happen? Jerusalem will be inhabited again, and the cities of Judah shall be rebuilt. And I will raise up her wasted places. Look at verse 27. Who says to the deep, be dry, and I will dry up your rivers? Verse 28. Who says of Cyrus? He is my shepherd, and he shall perform all my pleasure, saying to Jerusalem, you shall be built, and to the temple, your foundation shall be laid. How many are still with me after now? Okay, very important, because otherwise you will not be able to understand my prayer topics. Now, Bible commentary says that the time Isaiah gave this prophecy to the time Nebuchadnezzar was overthrown by Cyrus was about 155 years. 155 years. Now, Isaiah prophesied about Israel going into captivity and also prophesied that the captivity is going to turn. And he prophesied the name of the person who will make it happen. He called the person's name Cyrus. At that time, Cyrus was not born. Cyrus was born 155 years later. So what am I saying? You see, some of us, we are here today because God planned that we should be here. And he has an assignment, an agenda on our lives. Otherwise, you and I know you should have been dead by now. 
<laughs> the things you've been through and you are still here, hmm? there must be something. There must be something God has concerning your destiny. Amen? Amen? The interesting thing is that God calls Cyrus my shepherd. Now, Cyrus was not an Israelite. He never worshipped God. He was a Persian king. Persian is today's Iran. As it was that time, so it is now. They don't have any relationship with God, according to my understanding of God. So let's, let's go to, God said he's my shepherd, and he will what? Perform all my pleasure. Very important. And I have a feeling that in this house, God is raising some people who are like Cyrus. They are about to do some things for God, for the kingdom, in these last days. I've been telling God I want to be one of them. Cyrus became the emperor that overthrew. In fact, Nebuchadnezzar was so powerful, nobody believed he could be conquered. He was so powerful. But one night, Cyrus defeated Nebuchadnezzar, not in a long war, one night. Because God planned it in, in, one, in one night. So we want to begin a journey on this prayer. There's something God has been touching my heart about. So you understand it in Isaiah 45. When you move further to Isaiah 45, it talks about Cyrus still. That says the Lord to his anointed. Now, so Cyrus was referred to by God as my anointed. That means even though the man is an unbeliever, God anointed him. Why? Because he had a work to perform for the nation of Israel to return to their land. Amen. Amen. To Cyrus, whose right hand I have held, to subdue nations before him and to lose the armor of kings, to open before him the double doors so that the gates shall not be shut. Amen. Amen. Verse 2. I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. That means I will accelerate your pace. Because crooked places make you run slow. You drive slow. But when the crooked place becomes a highway, a straight path, you can drive at top speed. You agree? So I will make the crooked places straight. I will break in peace the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. Verse 3. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of the secret places that you may know that I, the Lord, who call you by your name, am the God of Israel. Amen. Amen. All right. So, um, and we'll be praying this. We can't pray all today. We'll come back um, during the week and, and, and continue on Sunday. But I'm believing God as I'm anointing will come on your life. It is the Cyrus anointing. Because God wants to use you to open some doors. God wants to use you to be a blessing to generations. God wants to use you to affect nations and the world. God wants to use you, you know, critically in, 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 in this end-time evangelization of the world. God wants to do something with your life. That is what I'm, 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 I've been feeling in my spirit for since we've started the fast. I woke up one morning with this scripture in my, in, 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 in my ears. 
I'll go before you. I'll make the crooked places straight. I'll cut, I'll break in pieces the gates of brass and cut asunder the bars of iron. I'll give you treasures of darkness. Do you know what's a treasure of darkness? It's a hidden riches in the secret places. There are still riches on earth that has not been discovered. I can tell you. And you are going to discover. Do you know that um, 20 years ago, Ghana did not have oil? Does that mean there was no oil? There was. And there are still riches in Ghana that nobody has discovered yet. There are riches. Social media was big money, but nobody knew it until about 15 years ago. Until 15 years ago, nobody knew that Facebook can become one of the leading businesses in the world. One of the wealthiest businesses in the world. How much are they worth now? Over, over $100 billion. Over $100 billion. Just a face in a book. <laughs> Hidden riches of the secret places. How did it start? An idea. An idea on the mind of a, a young guy, student. Something supernatural is about to happen. Are we ready to pray? You know, when I took over this church, I think I'll say this once on Friday, but I feel like God is about to raise some multi-billionaires in this church. Amen. Amen. It is an anointing. If it hits you, you will become it. Amen. Amen. There are some dimensions of what you can't enter without an anointing. And some of the wealthy people we hear about, they may be unbelievers. When you meet them, you can tell there's something supernatural. It's not ordinary. Hallelujah. There's something supernatural. And that something supernatural is going to come upon your life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I don't even know. But I want us to pray for this anointing. This anointing. Today I want us to just pray for the anointing. That God put upon Cyrus. That that anointing will come upon us. So that we can fulfill our due purpose in history. Some of you here, in your lifetime, God wants you to influence history. You need to do something that will change the historical narratives significantly. Let's have your two hands and say, Father, I pray for the anointing that was upon Cyrus to come upon my life in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I receive that anointing that you put upon Cyrus in the name of Jesus. Lift up your voice and pray, everybody. Pray for the anointing. Shaka la bada 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 ba. Brala mana grada makafala badini arabata kada baka baba baba. Raba bala baka pala la bada bada ba. Verse one. Isaiah forty-five verse one. Are you praying the prayer well? Yeah. Believe God. Amen. 
Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Sarah, whose right hand I have held. So you see, the anointing, it causes, it causes your hand to receive the strength of God. Amen? He said, whose right hand I have held. You see, in, in, in Bible days, um, um, holding somebody's right hand means a lot. Um, it, talk, it talks about you have been chosen. It also means you are a winner. Um, when, when those days, the only, the commonest um, game was wrestling. The winner at the wrestling is always declared this way. So God always, you see God in the Bible saying, um, I will uphold your right hand. That means I'll declare you the winner. Amen? Uh-huh. So when God says that I have held his right hand, he was trying to say that I am the one who, has, who is going to declare his stand and make him a winner and a victor, give him strength, that in battle he will not lose battle. So you are praying over your life. Say, Father, today... I receive that anointing that my hands will be strengthened to receive victory in battle. In the name of Jesus, that everything I set my hand to do will prosper and be blessed. In the name of Jesus. Lift up your voice and pray right now. I pray in the name of Jesus that your hands will be strengthened by the Lord. That your hands will be strengthened. I pray in the name of Jesus that your hands will not be weak. Laga shaka la bada bada ba. Rebedo libra la bada 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 kala bada bada ba. Rabado brele mene greni makufele dini migana mahaya. Rata paka faka pala dala bakada ba. Rabada la baka bada 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 ba shaka ba. Dola namakala ba dini mene mene ya. Baraka dava kapala la bada bakada bahaya. In the name of Jesus. Lift the right hand and say in the name of Jesus, I declare my life according to the word of the Lord. I receive the anointing upon my life and I declare my hands are strong. My hands shall not be weak. My hands are blessed in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, my hands will attract wealth. My hands will attract riches. My hands will never be empty. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I declare by your life that your hands will handle heavy loads. Heavy loads of blessings. Your hands will manage great resources. In your lifetime. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Then he goes on to say to subdue nations before him. That means to give you international influence. Somebody say in the name of Jesus, I declare over my life, I receive grace for international influence. By the anointing of God upon my life, I, I declare that I'll, my life will extend my influence will extend beyond the borders of Ghana into the nations of the world. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lift up your voice and pray now, everybody. Pray, pray, pray. International influence. Your business will go international. 
your name will travel will go international everything you do raladoni bara sotea brolemene grene makafala badana makapaya ragada bakapala labadana makapaya I command the, the gates of the nations to open to you. I command the gates of the nations to open to you. I command the gates of the nations to open to you. In the name of Jesus. The gates of nations. The gates of nations. The gates of nations. Ragada Paradilimanea. International influence. Receive that anointing for international influence. Receive that anointing now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I declare over your life that God will take you from being a local champion and make you and give you international influence. I pray over your business that your business will go international. That your business will extend beyond the borders of Ghana. In the name of Jesus, I pray over your career that God will give you international influence in your career. In whatever you do, may your life and your name experience global impact. In the name of Jesus. May the Lord make you a global personality. In your lifetime, may you impact the world. May you impact the world. May you affect generations and destinies all over the world. In the name of Jesus, whatever you do, may God cause you to impact the world. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Put your hands together for the Lord. It's working. It's happening. It's happening. Hallelujah. It's happening. I see you impacting the world in your lifetime. In the name of Jesus. You will not die in the corner of nowhere. I said... You will not die in the corner of nowhere. I said, you will not die in the corner of nowhere. In the name of Jesus. Whatever one will keep you in obscurity, today I declare destroyed. Any power that one will hide you in obscurity, today I command that power destroyed. In the name of Jesus. From today... Your days of hiding are over. Amen. Your days of staying in the background, they are over. Amen. God is going to elevate you and put you in the limelight. Amen. And put the spotlight on you. Amen. So that your influence will, become, will go global. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. He said to... Subdue nations before him. That means that it was it became so easy for Cyrus to enter any nation and conquer it. He was just conquering just like that because God had prophesied ahead of him. Hallelujah. And many of you here, 
God has planned it before you were born. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you explain how I started pastoring from where I started? And I'm here now. If it is not God that planned it before I was born, you need to go there to understand what I'm talking about. Nothing can explain why a pastor will invite me in another country to come and preach. If it's not that I was programmed by God before I was born. And I see you walking in that anointing. That small business of yours, God is about to expand it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. The gates of the nations shall be opened to you. I pray for somebody that the gates of nations are opening to you now. Every door you knock, I declare over your life, nobody here will be refused a visa. Never ever in your life. If you don't want to go, don't go. If you want to go, when you get there, they stamp your passport. Receive that favor in the name of Jesus. Receive that favor in the name of Jesus. Receive that favor in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Yeah, everybody, this is compulsory. Get a passport. And if you are struggling to do a passport, level three of prayer is your, is your area this, this month. Because some of you, before you finish doing that passport, it will be tag of war. But you must do it. Because maybe nobody has it in your family. But do it. I told a pastor, I want to travel with you to South Korea. He said, how long is the flight? I said, 16 hours. He said, pastor, I can't. I said, why? He said, pastor, I sat in a plane to Nigeria. I almost died. Because of fear. He said, fear. Fear. How many have feared in an aircraft before? Oh, they won't raise their hands. They are just lying. The first, the first thought that will cross your mind is, what if this thing falls? <laughs> uh, <laughs> what if the pilot falls asleep? But some people, the fear is... Not the normal one we all had. The first time I traveled, I feared. I was praying in tongues. And I saw people sleeping. I saw people sleeping. I said, can somebody be sleeping like that? <laughs> but now I sleep too when I'm traveling. I, I sleep. I sleep. Amen? Oh, I just sleep. But somebody is under an attack of the devil, he doesn't want to travel anymore. How long is Ghana to Nigeria? One hour. Sometimes 55 minutes. Cote d'Ivoire is shorter, 45 minutes. But somebody has a chance to travel. Fear is saying, you will die. You will die. That thing will follow. You know, when the Ethiopian airline had that crash at uh, Kenya, he called me, he said, Pastor, you see what I was saying? 
You see, this thing eh, is risky. <laughs> I said, do you know how many flights happen every day around the world? Hundreds of thousands. One plane crash is telling somebody, hey! So I told him, I said, Osofo, your background is fighting you. Your background will make you a villager for life. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Tonight, today, I pray for you. In the name of Jesus. That the gates of the nations will open to you. In the name of Jesus. Because when the door opens, there's no struggle. Traveling will not be a struggle for you. Fear will leave you. You will sit there and sleep and, and enjoy yourself. Receive that favor in the name of Jesus. Receive that grace in the name of Jesus. Receive that grace in the name of Jesus. To subdue nations, to open before him the double doors so that gates will not be shut. We'll end it here today. Somebody say double doors. Somebody say double doors. Yeah. To open before him the double doors. Say, my father, I receive the anointing for open doors in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I receive that anointing upon Cyrus for open doors in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. By this anointing, let closed doors open to me. Let closed doors open to me. Let closed doors open to me. In the name of Jesus. Every door I knock, let it be open. Every door I knock, let me be open. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Pray that prayer quickly. Pray that prayer. Open doors. Double doors. Double doors. Is it raining? Oh, does it mean we can pray longer? Oh, no, I'll close. Don't worry. Now, listen. I was just thinking to myself, what does it mean, double doors? Then the Holy Spirit just spoke to me right now. Can I tell you what you tell me? It's a double door is a door that is bigger than your size. He just told me right now. Amen? So, if your size is size... 20, God will open a door of size 40 for you. Yeah. Okay, ask me why. Because you are not going to that door alone. You are carrying others with you. Yeah. I said you are carrying destinies with you. Yeah. Some of you, your whole, you are opening doors for your whole family. Yeah. Some of you are opening doors for not even just your family alone. But people all over the world. Yeah. Say in the name of Jesus. Yeah. I receive the anointing. For open doors. Pray that prayer now. I pray one more time. Double doors opening in my life. Double doors opening in my life. Fala dili mane greno makapa. Shakala bada 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 bada. Ragado brele mane greno makofele dini mia. Rabada baka bada 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 bada. Brana makavada bada bada bada. 
In the name of Jesus. I pray for you that you will be the next Cyrus in our generation. I pray that you will be the next Cyrus in history. In the name of Jesus. The anointing of God come upon you. And make you great. And lift you up from Hamburg backgrounds and give you international influence and make you a global icon in the name of Jesus and make you a man of substance and wealth all the remaining days of your life. May double doors open before you in Jesus' name. Amen. Put your hands together. Be seated. Financial favor and grace. Financial miracles in your life. Every money that belongs to you that is locked up, I command a release. In the name of Jesus.
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace. This week, may your going out and coming in be blessed. No weapon formed against you will prosper. The Lord deliver you from all evil. And may the Lord grant you increase of favor in everything that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a very fruitful week. Hope you've been blessed by today's message. You can contact Reverend Hubert on 030-340-7970 or 024-33-11201. Remain blessed.